welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Hi guys, thank you so much for joining in for this episode. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining in again and if you're a new listener, hello and you're very welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. Every episode I interview someone who's doing something somewhere in the realm of sustainability and we just have a little chat, maybe get to learn about their field and add to our own way of sustainable living. So thank you for joining us. There's a there's a couple of other episodes to listen back on after this one as well, if you haven't already. Now, before we get into this episode with Emma from Stuff Happens... I just want to, of course, address the fact that last week was Rebellion Week. So in episode 12, I interviewed Cormac Nugent from Extinction Rebellion and talked all about that movement and kind of how it came about, what they're all about and their upcoming plans. One of which, aside from the school strike a few weeks ago, was Rebellion Week. So basically, to give you guys a quick summary, they held a camp on Marion Square so basically there were there was camping there was people sleeping in tents I was one of them there was a few marquees set up a beautiful cozy yurt there was a stage there was portaloos there was a kitchen there was an art tent there was an info tent there was loads of stuff going on it was a beautiful festival kind of atmosphere and of course every day there would be several actions and protests taking place as well And if you're someone who was affected by Rebellion Week, either in a positive or a negative way, then I would urge you to check out that episode with Cormac because especially if you were someone who kind of got stuck in traffic or you don't really get why they do civil disobedience and disruption, which kind of in turn affects everyday people who are just trying to make it to work in that they talk about why they do that in episode 12. There's a little bit more info on their website as well. I might do a whole kind of uh, podcast specifically on Rebellion Week and Extinction Rebellion again. I think it's something that's kind of going to be ongoing, but I was very proud to be part of it and to know two of the five activists that put themselves up for arrest and uh, were arrested there was five arrests made in Dublin which is minuscule and compared to over 300 in Brussels in one day alone there two or three days ago and basically you know the more media attention we get the more attention the climate crisis gets and hopefully the government then will be under more pressure to enact drastic change to bring our carbon down our carbon production down to net zero and most importantly via a just transition where no one gets behind so not like the carbon taxes they just slapped on everybody there you can see they're they're (laughs) they might have a good intention like okay yeah we care about the planet let's impose a tax but that's kind of what they always do it needs to be more than that and before you tax people there needs to be other options that they go for you can't just hike up the price of fuel without giving people a greener option that's more affordable that's just unfair it's unjust and it's all about a just transition so if you want to learn more about extinction rebellion please check out episode 12 or check out their their website and i had an amazing week it was an amazing community it was very emotional and i'm so thankful for everyone who kind of made it what it was 
and yeah thank you guys and obviously thank anyone who facilitated us and if you were someone who was affected and stuck in traffic I do genuinely apologize that is really annoying but as blind boy said in his podcast I was listening to last week if we could all try redirect that anger and frustration to the actual problem of the climate crisis and direct it at the government to do something about it hopefully in a few in a few years we won't need to do civil disobedience anymore but I just wanted to highlight the fact that rebellion week did just happen and it was very it was a mixed bag a lot of really great stuff happened it wasn't all perfect but there just a were a group of people who suggest ideas and you kind of go along and you support them as best you can you discuss it and it's such a, a democratic democratic system where everyone has their say and the group meetings there's no hierarchy it's which is really amazing to see and how consensus and decisions are are uh, arrived at is really really cool and yeah I was that was really amazing to see but obviously not everything went absolutely perfectly or smoothly and everyone had a big debrief after every action and learned from it and grew from it and thankfully any little mistakes or hiccups weren't exactly repeated or anything like that so it's a good learning experience and for a group of people that never had any experience organizing a kind of festival atmosphere and days of of actions and protests specifically targeted at government and various businesses I thought well done so I just wanted to highlight that that just happened and uh, that is why this podcast is also a little bit late because I was just camping all week it was fairly cold I didn't have my laptop with me because I left that in Drogheda and then it was in Kildare and then I wasn't home so sorry about this episode being a little bit late but I'll give you a little intro into it now okay I'll try not keep you any longer I say that every week and then end up ranting but anyway this episode is with Emma from Stuff Happens Emma or her website is called Give Up Your Old Things but it's going to be changed and rebranded soon she mentions that in the in the episode but she's basically a professional declutterer and she was lovely to talk to we go into the psychology behind the kind of consumer culture why we buy things and how we can kind of get back in touch with the things we have and control our items and stop accumulating more stuff and kind of make it not just be stuff anymore things that you like and you enjoy so we delve right into that so I'm not going to keep you guys any longer it's a relatively short intro this week because I know it's a long enough episode plus I am fairly tired after rebellion week if you have any questions please don't hesitate to get in touch with me and stick around for at the end of this episode and another thing before you go, the sound quality again, I don't know what it is. Every episode I'm like, I've cracked the code. This is how the sound works. There's a slight echo when I speak in this episode. Thankfully, Emma is the one that does most of the speaking and her sound is perfect. But the sound quality around my voice is not so perfect. So apologies in advance about that. If anyone wants to come and hammer me over the head with some podcast editing info, do that please but aside from that I hope it's all okay all right guys here is Emma hello Emma thank you so much for coming in on a what day is today Wednesday it is a Wednesday, it is a Wednesday. Yes. Wednesday. Oh, wow. 
it's that kind of week where you're like, what's going on? <laughs> the weather just slows time down. It really does, yeah. doesn't it? But uh, yeah. thank you for coming into town to record this podcast. I'm very excited. We were kind of getting into conversation there. We're like, no, let's save yeah, it. Save it. I can speak about that for hours. <laughs> I know. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Well, the first thing I like to do with all my guests is kind of get to know a little bit about them so yourself so can you tell us for anyone who doesn't know who you are that's listening a bit about yourself who you are where you're from where you grew up and that kind of thing cool well I'm Emma and I was born in Cork but I've lived in Dublin since I was eight and I am a writer and a decluttering consultant and a sustainability advocate all those things rolled into a big juicy little donut my background is in theatre so my first degree was in theatre Drama and Theatre Studies in Trinity. And I was a costume designer. That was what I specialised in. Afterwards, I went to London to do a master's in the history and culture of fashion. And that was in kind of at the time when the crash had happened, but we still kind of thought we'd have loads of jobs. No one really, everyone was in kind of denial about the situation. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go do a master's in a thing that is totally unemployable. <laughs> It'll be great. So I thought I'd be spending a year, you know, researching top hats and Jane Austen dresses. And in fact, I plunged into the world of sustainable fashion. I realized that I was studying this industry that is causing havoc environmentally and humanitarianly. Is that a word? It is And um, I worked for a charity called the Environmental Justice Foundation. And we protested at London Fashion Week wearing cotton t-shirts and all this stuff I was really deep into it but what I couldn't understand was why no one else in my course or in my peer group seemed to care as much about me as much as me as I did about these issues yeah so you know there was this kind of cognitive dissonance this this gap where everybody knows about sweatshops everybody knows that you know that, what that's we, happening that that is happening yeah. I mean we've known that growing up since we were kids um, but it didn't really translate into a change in behavior that had happened in me. And so I focused my dissertation for my master's, which was called The Devil Wears Primark, question mark. Oh, I love The Devil it. Wears Primark. Yeah, yeah, I've, 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 I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that one. Um, uh, it was focused on the fast fashion industry, which is, for people who don't understand, it's like, you know, the high street, basically. The shops where the trend turnover is, you know, every week instead of every as twice Three a year as it or, used to yeah. have been and everything is very disposable and low quality yada 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 so I l- wanted to look at that model and how it could negatively affect us the people in the wealthier countries who are the consumers of this stuff so I wanted to kind of make it personal so I took a deep dive into consumption theory uh, why we are you know so bogged down with stuff why we feel so compelled to buy stuff all the time um, and how that affects our self-esteem and what I found was that there's a huge amount of anxiety particularly now my focus was on younger women but uh, how younger women experience their wardrobes with a high level of anxiety and you know we kind of think retail therapy is great and we love buying cheap clothes but it actually because your clothing is the site of your identity creation you know it's how you express yourself to the world if you say to yourself okay I bought this jacket and I love it and I feel great in this jacket and then you know a month later that color is wrong or that cut is wrong and you think I'm confused now I sure really like that but all my friends have a different thing you know it's it's very confusing and it gets you caught up in this cycle of constantly having to reassess who you are constantly having to buy stuff obviously and it makes you very anxious um, I've been decluttering people's houses now for about five years and I've never had one female client who didn't have a very 
fraught relationship with her wardrobe you know there's there's so many things around that you know body image anyway we can get into how to declutter your wardrobe later if you want but I just I just yeah immersed myself in theories of the bad side of consumer culture but I also looked at uh, the psychology of material culture and how you know owning things and wanting to own things isn't actually bad okay I think this is a really important distinction because a lot of environmentalists who are quite extreme can say you just have to you can't ever have anything you know clothes are evil you shouldn't own anything that's beyond your meat that's beyond your survival you know because of the planet is dying from all our crap which is true but it's important to understand that there is no human society ever recorded that has not wanted to express itself through its material culture through its things through how they how people look through um objects so that's this is a really primal drive that we have as people to um, adorn ourselves and have novelty have new things have things beyond what we need to survive so it's really important to understand that before you go, you say okay we have to take all of that away we can still really enjoy material culture and owning things and expressing ourselves through what we wear but it can be done in a much more sustainable and mindful way so that's yeah that's kind of where I'm at now I've just written a book that will be published next year with Penguin Ireland um it's called stuff happens (laughs) and um it's yeah it's basically about sustainable decluttering and mindful shopping how we can get out of the tricks that consumer culture play on us to get us to buy more um of which there are so many (laughs) the start the the story i tell to try and illustrate that is have you ever heard of edward bernays he was an american guy who basically uh invented the pr industry so I think it's the 1920s. I'm so bad with dates. 1920s, a big tobacco company came to him and said, women aren't smoking. They're smoking in their homes, but we want them to be smoking everywhere they go, right? So what can you do to help us make this happen? And he was actually the nephew of Sigmund Freud, right? Who obviously uh, discovered (laughs) or like came up with a theory of the unconscious, that we have these unconscious or subconscious drives that make us do things or mm. give us desires that we're not even aware of. So Bernays took the this discovery of his uncle and said, okay, if I can plant desires in people without them even knowing it, plant a desire for something, then I can get them to buy stuff or act differently without them even feeling like they're being coerced into something. So what he did was he, it was for Lucky Strike, the, the, the cigarette company, And he got a couple of kind of what we would call now influencers, but like kind of some of them were like suffragettes and women's lib people. And he got them to go to the Easter parade smoking Lucky Strikes. And there was no signs that it was an ad or to get you to buy it. It was to link the cigarettes with uh, the idea of women's liberation. So the reason I've told that very long story is because Bernays' idea was to link products to emotions, right? Before him, you bought a bar of soap because it cleaned you you didn't buy it to kind of optimize your life and make you into a different more idealized version of yourself that we understand how stuff is sold now he said okay the soap doesn't just clean you it makes you a different person it makes Mm -hmm. you a better person so you know when you see your ridiculous perfume ad now that's like you know a dolphin I don't know (laughs) swimming with this beautiful woman or I don't know whatever the most obscure story crazy stuff but that's Bernays's legacy you know it's not the properties of the product that 
is being sold it's what it could do for your lifestyle yeah and I think that is is the core problem is that we have been taught through and since obviously Brene's time we've seen the rise of neoliberalism which you know favors economic growth above everything else economic growth means consumer spending so that is the goal that is we have to be spenders we have to make them make them all spend keep people spending money keep the economy going growth 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 and so that's why it's very difficult to step out of that because everywhere we look we are being bombarded with signs that you should buy this you should buy this you should buy this and the reason it really gets in on us is because we're living in a very interesting social time where the structures that sort of made our life understandable, like long-term marriage, long-term employment, uh, organized religion, those kind of things, they're all kind of collapsing. They're all It's all becoming more all fluid. It's all becoming yeah. more fluid. There's a, um, a guy called Zygmunt Bauman, and he writes about liquid modernity. And all those things, long-term marriage, religion, those kind of things, they were how humans traditionally created their identities. Um, so then there's if those are taken away, there's this void and that produces anxiety because you kind of say, well, who am I if I'm not this job or part of this family, whatever. And the advertising uh, industry steps in and say, but if you buy this thing, that is who you will be. You know, I shop, therefore I am. I have a postcard. <laughs> I have a postcard that says that above my desk. And uh, yeah, we just, we, we came to view ourselves as consumers. And I know some people listening to this will probably say, but I'm not a lemming. I'm, I know ads are stupid, but it really drills into a very deep part of us. Like the Sigmund Freud thing, it really gets into these subconscious uh, needs for acceptance and to feel part of the group and to assert our statuses. You know, we're just monkeys at the end of the day. <laughs> but um the whole idea of retail therapy like you mm. could be having the worst day and even I now I like only in the past year or two have I really kind of realized the impact that just buying crap can like have mm-hmm. in a negative way but still sometimes I know that if I just go shopping if I go if I go buy something like it will actually make me feel better like totally. why is that there do you know well there's loads of different reasons I'd add how long do you think that uh feeling lasts that feeling of goodness yeah it probably doesn't last yeah so there's long. a there's a psychological thing called the hedonic treadmill right and this is what we're on if we're in that kind of consumer headspace and the hedonic treadmill it basically is like I mean in layman's terms the happiness treadmill so and it suggests and I believe this to be true that you're actually happier when you are anticipating a purchase rather than when you own the thing. And this has been proven by loads of different psychology studies. So if you say, okay, I'm going to go in, buy a pair of earrings, I'm going to feel amazing because I have new earrings. You're actually happier in that space when you're going to buy the thing than when you're actually even wearing things. That's mental. Yeah. You're happier in the queue. Yeah. Like, as opposed to walking And I found that, like, part of my research was I was uh, outside the Primark on Oxford Street asking people about how they felt about their purchases. You know, people come out with these bulging bags and the language they used was so weird. You know, they were like, oh yeah, just a bit of retail therapy, just got a few bits. Oh, don't even know if I'll wear them, you know, but like got the buzz. It's very weird. Mm -hmm. So the hedonic treadmill is we anticipate something, we want something, we have that kind of buzz of desire, we have the thing and then you adapt to the thing. You're like, oh, well, that's just part of my life now and I'm bored with it. It's why, <laughs> I mean, you know, Alain de Botton, the philosopher, he's a writer and philosopher and he has a great book called Status Anxiety, which is all about this, all about the kind of way we're 
told a view of ourselves as consumers to kind of create our identities through what we own and our status and he says you know that's why people leave marriages because they kind of think oh this is what I want this is what I want and then you, you get bored and then the little niggle for a new thing comes in yeah but if you can catch yourself and say okay I want the thing like sometimes I just go into the shops and have a look at things although yeah. actually that's not even true I, I don't really buy much stuff anymore but you used to I used yeah. to oh my god yeah I mean I'm very much a reformed hoarder and like I had quite bad mental health when I was in my 20s and I used to buy stuff to make me feel, myself feel better all the time mm. all the time you know I was really into vintage clothes so I used to think oh this is fine you know it's all second hand but then I'd have so much stuff and also because I was a costume designer I had so much so many costume bits fabric oh my god I was I was drowning in stuff and I just realized look this has to stop I have to be more mindful about this so I think the retail therapy the draw is really really strong and it's very difficult to step outside that particularly for younger people you know, and especially now, like, I'm so glad I didn't grow up during Instagram and, you know, uh, this pressure to have new outfit every single week. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we had that a little bit, but, like, no one was really that bothered if you wore the same thing no. to every, you know, Friday night party. No one really cared. Yeah. And you kind of swap with all your friends. and There just wasn't this pressure. Now, young people are clicking on Wednesday night on Pretty Little Thing or Boohoo or any of those fast fashion sites and the thing arrives the next day and they wear it once and that's it. Yeah. So... Like I've done lectures to transition year students and you can just see them being like so bored, so not on for this. And I can understand because uh, it's what all their friends are doing. The system is set up for them to, to do that. And when you're a teenager, you just want to fit in. So if anyone's, I'm sure no teenagers, well, I don't know, do any teenagers listen? Sure. But any parents of teenagers, <laughs> it's okay. Like, you know, you have to cut them some slack. It's really yeah. hard at that age there's so much there I mean now there's apps coming out like Depop where you can like sell oh, yeah. them second hand really easy yeah. which is great but I know like mo- most teens and young people probably aren't doing that like they're no. just even my partner like when his socks or jocks are like at the end of their life and he puts them in the bin I'm like no you can't do that like we'll <laughs> stuff a dog bed with them yeah, or yeah. I don't know um, I know throw them in like a textile recycling I thing know. but just the amount shout of- out to the partners of people trying to be sustainable they have to be very patient <laughs> <laughs> they have to be very patient my husband is incredibly patient yeah, <laughs> um, I know he, he actually does really care too but you do feel like a bit of a nag sometimes and I think that it's really important to be positive positive about this like like I have actually my life satisfaction has increased since I've made changes Mm. to how I've shopped definitely because I have more clothes that I like and that I actually wear and don't make me feel bad and I don't waste as much money on useless stuff I think being sustainable actually makes you feel better and I think often it's framed in quite negative language you know what are you going to give up how are you going to pare back you know this kind of deprivation yeah language that I think is really negative and actually not true like I've I always thought I was a bad cook and actually I was just eating the ghosts of vegetables that we get in you know big supermarkets if you eat seasonally you're a better cook because it tastes better if you eat Irish food it tastes better (laughs) I mean I know you have to have a certain amount of financial privilege to do that but it's actually not that much more expensive than buying a load of stuff in Tesco that to eat to buying a load of stuff in Tesco that is literally dead (laughs) doesn't taste of anything anyway the whole food thing is a separate issue even though when you have the awareness and you're woke 
you know <laughs> it can be it can be stressful because you're like you're you're aware of oh, the, all the, the negativity in the world when but i first I started like way back when i was in college i remember i had a kind of a small panic attack over a tuna sandwich because i was like i don't know where this tuna's from it's not line caught and, I, and my friend who i was with was like this has to stop you know <laughs> you there's okay? too much you know <laughs> But that was when I was like, you know, I can't eat bananas because, you know, it was, it was, it was, you really have to be measured and you have to realize that causing yourself to stress helps nobody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You You have to, you have to stay positive because it's it's totally positive and stay, stay measured. You know, like, you know, if you're in a rush and you have to buy apples that came from South Africa, you know, it's okay because the next day you'll do something. You're not a bad person. I think. Part of neoliberal culture, which teaches us that we're individuals and, you know, we're consumers and we have to self-optimize, you know, it's all about perfection. And, you know, there's such a proliferation and such a serious problem of mental health now with our generation of young people, because we're so scared to get things wrong and we're so scared to just relax and make mistakes. And uh, I think being sustainable and being zero waste and it can become another standard that we will never be good enough to meet Mm -hmm. and so I think it really has to be like I think zero waste is a kind of a mad term it should be minimal waste which is what you know Pat from Reusey does and uses and uh, so like you know no not all my clothes are sustainable they have all been bought mindfully but I still make mistakes I still buy things that I realize oh my god I'm never actually going to wear that you know I'm not this perfect enlightened person who is separate to everybody else I'm still making loads of mistakes all the time but I'm just trying to do my best I'm trying to uh, put a positive spin on it for other people and like you said it is it's still worth that and you're happier it's it's like a staying in the present moment kind of thing like you're just you appreciate what you have and you don't you know the grass isn't greener anymore Mm -hmm. on the other side you you kind of know what you have is good and you don't need more and there is so that's why I say like when you find out something it can be really horrible but you then can act on it and you know yourself that you're trying to do your bit and it's so worth the frustration that came with the learning it totally is like yeah especially when you kind of can are you when you are able to build a community of like-minded people like yourself Mm. you know when you see other people doing the struggle as well and making mistakes and that's really really helpful too definitely so if anyone's struggling by themselves just make some sustainable friends yeah do that (laughs) it really helps totally like there's groups like sustainable fashion dublin or like friends of the earth have meetups they have lovely like sea swims where you can just get yeah. to know people who are doing their best and uh Ryuzi has gorgeous events all the time yeah. and it really really helps yeah like I was feeling really despondent about the whole thing I don't know I, I had just come out of a very uh, intense period of writing the book and uh, I was just feeling a bit like what good is this book gonna do the world is dying whatever and then I went to the school strike whenever it was a couple yeah, of Fridays ago yeah yeah on the 20th yeah of September and um I just felt so buoyed up by that. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these people coming out, there were so many people, all the young kids who are so passionate about it. I'm not naive enough to think that it's going to change everything, but it actually, all those little things create the momentum Definitely. that will lead to change. Yeah, yeah. And it just makes you feel less alone. Definitely. Yeah. It's so worth it. Um, and was there a specific kind of point in your studies? Did you like watch a documentary or something that opened your eyes to the sustainable side or were you were you always kind of aware as a teenager and stuff 
so I think when I, I think my first year in college I read No Logo by Naomi Klein it was about um branding and kind of just about uh, corporate capitalism basically and you know Nike and all these different brands who were part of this global system of sweatshops and consumerism and uh, disposability and that kind of made me open my eyes and so I was always kind of kind of conscious of like oh we should recycle and all the kind of little gentle things Mm -hmm. and then when I got to London there was just so much there there was so much on there were so many anti-consumerism conferences and I was just drawn to them there was I'm trying to think of if there was like a eureka moment like no I just from the start I was just immersed in this I was like this matters and because I was learning about fashion and the fashion industry and none of my lecturers were mentioning how the clothes we were studying were made. It was just never mentioned. And even when I proposed what I would write my dissertation about, they were kind of like, oh, really? Oh, do you not want to, I don't know, do it about something else? You know, there was there was just this kind of block. Again, like yeah. I was saying, the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of another, the, the book that really, I, I think, opened my mind then fully when I was like, okay, I'm in this now for life, <laughs> was Lucy Siegel's To Die For. Lucy Siegel is a a British journalist. I don't know if you know about her. She's really awesome. Her most recent book is about plastic. But that book was about the fashion industry. And um, I'd say it's a tiny bit out of date now, but the ideas, you know, in terms of the statistics, I'm sure are completely different because that was about 10 years ago. But, uh, but the, the ideas, thing, yeah, the ideas were, the were there, totally. Uh, so those were inspirations for you? Yeah, totally. Lucy Siegel cool. was well, like, I'll link those for yeah. anyone who is like, ooh, Give us a go with that. Right, so I guess, can you explain the difference between what minimalism is and what it is that you do Mm -hmm. specifically? So minimalism is, there's different degrees of it. Some people are very extreme and kind of the, the poster children for minimalism, the ones who are, you know, have the book deals and the TED Talks and whatever, they're the most extreme and, you know, people who kind of own just the bare, bare minimum, you know, they have three outfits of clothing, they just own a laptop, they have, you know, <laughs> one set of knife and f- knives and forks. It's that's quite extreme. It's sort of a weird way to live to me, because like I said, I'm very pro material culture. I think it's part of the joy of being human is, you know, having things around you that are part of your identity. I don't sure. think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe that's because my background is in the arts so I you know I like things yeah what I do is to try and get people to appreciate what they own okay so it's you know people call me into their houses everything oh the house is full of crap it's full of clutter and they say but sure I'm sure there are things here that you love and that bring you joy and it's trying to peel back that clutter layer that kind of anxiety layer and reconnect with what we actually own because if you appreciate what you own, they it will never be clutter, you know? If you say to yourself, look at this look gorgeous bowl that somebody gave me for a wedding present or for my birthday, and it's and it's full of crap, but I love this bowl. If you can reconnect with what you actually own. That's kind of half the battle never be, then. It will never yeah. be clutter, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we we have become so disconnected to what we buy and what we own because it's so easy to buy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a phrase that I love from... Uh, Sister Stan, who set up Focus Ireland, you know, the homeless charity. Mm -hmm. And she writes, uh, to take for granted is the death of wonder. 
you know and there is so much to wonder about in the world we take everything for granted so much and then it becomes clutter yeah and if you can learn to appreciate what you actually own you will need less because you will be satisfied with what you already have like I trying to like learning to love your clothes and the books that you want to keep and the you know special photograph frames the special objects that are special to you and are part of your life learning to appreciate them will make you want less it really will and it'll make you stop shopping as much as you are so the whole Marie Kondo does this bring you joy thing she's like she's on the money there is she well she's very interesting because she's a good jumping off point for understanding what it is that I want to do because yes so she's a Japanese decluttering phenomenon she's published books and she's yeah global global star of decluttering and her question that she asks she's like decluttering is very simple all you need to ask is does this spark joy yes or no and depending on the answer out it goes or it stays yeah and for me it's much more complex than that based on my experience and my studies and but also it doesn't address the root of the problem which is how much we shop or address where does the stuff go when it's finished so my approach is much more holistic you know I always say decluttering without assessing how you shop is like going on a crash diet without doing any long-term lifestyle change and also I think taking responsibility for where things go at the end of their life with you is really important I think we really over rely on charity shops you know we can just dump everything in there and it's out of sight out of mind and even the way we talk about getting rid of things it's as if we just don't think about it you know you say oh we put it in the bin we throw it away like where is this away mm-hmm. let's have a philosophical chat about it's that a new planet yeah yeah <laughs> um you know i think charity shops are great for books and clothes that are reusable everything else you need to be more creative about how you dispose of things. So mm-hmm. part of my service is I have a big list of places where I can uh, send things that will be reused. So, you know, I have a company in the UK that accepts bras that, that can be reused because charity shops don't generally expect, accept those. I have an electronics recycling place out in Clondalkin that I use. Things like that. Amazing. So, you know, landfill is always the last option. And I think, again, thinking about both the start of the life of the item and the end of the life makes you question your uh, purchases more because you're thinking, okay, this came from somewhere and has to go somewhere. So do I really need it? Now, I know that it's difficult for people to get their head around this because the problems of the world are so overwhelming and it's very difficult to ask someone to say, okay, well, do you want to think about where those jeans came from? You know, think about the person who made them. But that kind of scares people away. Yeah. Maybe I just think too much about these things. But at the very least, I try to encourage my clients to think, where are we going to pass these things on to? How can we avoid landfill at all costs? Yeah. Basically, yeah, charity shops are great, but they are overwhelmed. There's, a, you know, there's been a lot of, since Marie Kondo, since she kind of burst onto the scene, charity shops have said, we are overwhelmed. There's too many people giving us stuff. So just be careful. Just be mindful. Yeah, because they yeah. haven't, like a lot of them are volunteers. Like they haven't got the time to be sorting through everything. Totally. And, totally. and a lot of it does go in the bin if they can't, if they haven't got space for it or anything. So, so Marie Kondo is great, but she doesn't, for me, there are more complex questions apart from does this bring you joy or yeah. not? But I think she's, so there's a lot of backlash against her. Basically people, you know, people being like, oh, this is too simplistic. And she's sure. just this mad. Like but, my menstrual cup does not spark joy, but I'm going to keep but it. But this is it. My colander, <laughs> you know? No, does that spark joy? Okay, so how then do you at home, anyone listening, how do they start the 
the process of going through their stuff, their clothes yeah. to start with maybe? Well, I would say um, be gentle with yourself, okay? Prepare yourself. <laughs> uh, understand that it will be tiring and way more tiring than you think because, and if we're talking specifically about ro- wardrobes, wardrobes are very emotional. Going through all stuff and decluttering is always an emotional process because of the unknown connections we have to things and I'll list the reasons the specific reasons why that can be difficult in a minute but just know that you will be tired and be gentle with yourself and don't say oh I'm just going to do an hour today give yourself a whole afternoon you know you'll need time to clean up and rest uh be hydrated and uh, uh I usually say I would recommend having someone with you just to help you clean up and to make decisions but don't have someone who's going to want to force you to keep stuff because uh, yeah just choose your decluttering buddy carefully because mm. some people will be like oh you should keep that that's great that's great no be careful and I would say start small so start with say your bedside cabinet and say okay I'm going to do that and then I'm going to take a break taking breaks is really important because like I said it's going to be exhausting and you might think okay I'm just going to power through and get this done but then you'll actually get wrecked and you'll make bad decisions you'll either get rid of too much stuff or decide to keep everything out of panic so you have to pace yourself and be gentle so set yourself little tasks like say I'll do my bedroom cabinet and then I'll have a cup of tea or I'll do my towels and then I'll have a cup of tea a really important tip is if anything emotional turns up like a anything sentimental I mean like a a photo or a letter or a memory put that to one side don't decide on that immediately Anything emotional needs to be processed at a different time because it can bring up loads of stuff for you that you need time to kind of deal with. So anything like that or an old diary, whatever, set it aside and deal with that. Deal with all that stuff on a different day. Um, That's why I say maybe do your towels first unless anyone has any emotional attachment to their towels. It's kind of a safe safe place to start. (laughs) So there are many, many reasons why it's difficult to get rid of things. I call them sticky items. (laughs) Sticky items. I like it. So the first layer of decluttering is easy because it's a yes, no. It's like, that's, I don't want that. I do want that. That's fine. But then we get into the kind of the nitty gritty and there are several categories that sticky items can fall into. One is... I can't get rid of that because it was expensive, right? I think this is particularly difficult for Irish people because we have this kind of fear of waste. The second sticky item thing is because it's useful. And I think those two are connected. It's expensive or it's useful and you don't want to get rid of it. So with the expensive thing, I would say, look, you've already spent the money. It's not coming back to you. You have to just forgive yourself. Forgive yourself and let it go. Depending on how long it's been in your wardrobe, are you really going to wear it? Are you really realistically going to wear it? Or are you just keeping it out of some sort of financial guilt? You just got to forgive yourself. The it's useful, uh, sticky sticky reason is, um, again, I think that's very hard for a lot of people. And you have to ask, is it useful for me? So if you say, oh, this blazer, this would be really useful if I was going to a wedding. I say, but are you actually going to wear it? Are you actually going to wear it? You have to just, it's kind of like doing your therapy on yourself. Mm. You know, you have to get to the bottom of the decision to keep things. I'm terrible for yeah. doing that with, because uh, I work in, uh, like I'm an actor. Mm. I'm like, this would be a great costume piece. Oh yeah. This is <laughs> so unique. I am never going to find a butterfly bra again. Yeah. Like I have to keep this. And there's the most random things. Only recently, like this year, if I'm like, okay, I've not, 
I, I like hand me downs from my mother. She's always giving me hand me downs, which is great. And a lot of them I keep because they're so <laughs> unusual to yeah. say the least. And I'm like, this would be great costumes, but I end up they've now gone to either on Depop or to charity shops with their friends or something. Because realistically, I'm it's never mm. like what are the chances? Yeah. Like, well, well yeah. done for letting them go. Because <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Like I still have items that are sitting there. I think, why can't I get rid of you? What mm. is your hold over me? It's like this demon is infected in it's the like. Oh my god, it's crazy. And that is for me, someone who thinks about this stuff all the time. I yeah. still have stuff that I'm like, I don't wear that, but it's, One day. it's it's so you really need to just be gentle with yourself and say mm. there is a hold on some things. So uh, there's an, the third one is it was a gift. Now. This is really difficult and I get this question a lot when I give talks or even from clients and it's really hard and I still don't have a clear answer I'm afraid because it's so personal to each person. I would say you know is the person likely to come to your house do you like how offended are they going to be you know I had one client a while ago who uh, she realized she had all these cast off clothes from her sister that she never wore but she just kept taking them because she was like well my sister's giving them to me what am I supposed to do. And she realized they were all kind of the same style of item, which was not the kind of clothes that she wanted to wear. And she realized, oh my God, there's such a buildup. And she was able to say, okay, I'm just not going to accept those anymore. But it's really, really difficult. Like I say, just give yourself time to assess, okay, is this person really going to be upset if I don't wear the scarf they bought me or whatever? Okay, personally, if I get a gift and I'm like, I'm not going to use this or... I'm not going to wear this or whatever. I I am the queen of regifting. I've got such a big family that if <laughs> if one side gives me something, the other side will never know if I re if I well, regifted or something. Yeah. Um, which in one way is great, but I think I mean, I'm only from my personal experience. People people just buy so many things mm. that I genuinely forget what I give people <laughs> all the time. So they could use or not use what I give them, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be better off. Like yeah. you know, I I've worn. I've gotten from from my in laws, for example. They're they're fans of giving me the nicest jewelry ever, and I love it. And you, when I go down, I usually make the effort to yeah, put the, so put nice. the necklace on. Not once yeah. have they been like, oh, you're wearing the necklace. Because they totally... They've forgotten. They've totally forgotten that yeah. that's the one. Or just do what I've done, like. which is like instill a sense of fear in all your loved ones, that, you know, about what to buy you. Yeah. Like I got married this summer and people were like, I don't know what to buy you. I don't, I don't want to cause you any clutter. I've just got you a restaurant voucher. And I was like, that's lovely. No, I'm, I mean, I don't. It's not fear, but it's a, yeah, just. Yeah, they were, yeah. I think the more you talk about it, the more people realise, oh, okay, she doesn't just want some random top from H&M yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah. But yeah, gifts, gifts are a real sticky one. Real sticky one. Interesting. Like, um, you know we got a really ugly painting for our wedding and we just don't know what to do with it and I the person who gave it to us is never going to listen to this so it's okay but (laughs) that complaint that I get in next week (laughs) but it's like oh what to do anyway so yeah gifts gifts can be a real sticky one real sticky one but just don't be like oh I have to keep that because it's a gift actually take it take a minute to be like okay do they really need to keep this Mm -hmm. so the four and five sticky item reasons are, that, that doesn't sound clear at all. The fourth sticky item reason that you would keep a clothing item is that it is an aspirational item. So it represents 
a part of yourself that you hope to be someday. Like if it's too small for you or something? Yeah, you hope yeah. it can be about something. weight, totally. Yeah. It can be about weight or it can be about a level of sophistication that you want, a level of sexiness, a level of like, I just wish I was more like that kind of person and this garment represents that. Yeah. And those are really tricky. I mean, it's 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 an emotional journey, guys. It's an emotional journey. And sometimes people dismiss me when I say that. You know, they're like, oh, they're just clothes. How can they, how can all these feelings be in there? But they really are. They mm-hmm. really are. And a lot of them are unconscious, so you don't even realize. So yeah, the aspirational items, that's really difficult. And then, the kind of reverse of that is discontinued selves so the people you used to be but no longer are that's very much a to do with body image as well maybe you used to be a certain size and now you aren't and you're finding it hard to get rid of those clothes you're you've become a parent and your lifestyle has changed and you can't get rid of those clothes when you used to be a raver and go to festivals you know all those kind of things so your former lives can live there in your wardrobe as can your dream lives and it's about uh, I mean, I would think it's healthier to let those go, <laughs> but it's about uh, just recognizing them and saying, this item has been there for so long. What is it? What category is that in? Yeah. Oh, it's because it's a size smaller than I am now and I wish I was that size. And if that's the case, I mean, a big part of the book is about body image. Actually, I have a whole chapter on it because I think that's a huge source of wardrobe anxiety. It has been for me in my life. Um, and I think it is for a lot of women, you know, being confused about what to wear, feeling bad, having items that you wish you could wear, but you don't feel confident enough. It's really, it's really complicated. So yeah, like I said, please take your time and be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to scare anyone away. I'm just trying to be helpful. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> like it doesn't, it's not all going to be done in one day. Like the whole house, just take yeah. it drawer and by it drawer. Will, and it will be layers. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll do you'll say, oh, I decluttered everything. That's great. And then in a couple of weeks, you'll realize, oh God, there's still stuff in here that I don't want, you know, because it, it just takes time and it's, sure. we can only do so much at a time. Yeah. Is it the same then rules for stuff, for things, for books, yeah. um, for ornaments and that kind of thing? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. yeah. Be careful. Like anything overly sentimental, leave until the end. Um, and yeah, just try and think, okay, do I really care about this? Do I need it going forward in my life? Yeah, is it aspirational? Do I really need that cop- two copies of Ulysses? Did it, <laughs> do I keep them out of some kind of intellectual guilt? I'm never <laughs> going to read them or whatever. You know, um, I think books are funny. Like books are my clutter kryptonite. Like I have a lot of books. I'm mm-hmm. a big reader and I love rereading. But the books that I keep, you know, they're a huge part of my identity and I really like lending them to people and they just remind me of my kind of intellectual journey, my brain journey. And uh, so they're really important to me and that's okay. I mean, even Marie Kondo, there was a big controversy about someone uh, wrote an article saying, oh, Marie Kondo thinks we should only have 30 books. Everyone should only own 30 books. This is crazy. And she didn't, she never actually said that. She said, oh, she said she personally owns 30 books, but if books spark joy in you, you can have as many as you want, as yeah. long as you care about them. Yeah, yeah. As long as they're not, there's not loads of cheap books that you're never going to read again. Don't even talk about the books that I have that I haven't read yet. That's they're okay. piling up, but like, your aspirational there kids, books <laughs> yeah there are books that I got when I was a kid mm. that I'm like my kids might read those one day like I, I'll hang on to them for them totally, that's yeah. probably another kind of clutter reason as well not even joking Emma when I made my <laughs> communion 
how old was I eight or whatever and I kept my communion dress and I said to my mom I'm gonna let my daughter wear this oh, and her sweet. communion like and that's and it's been in my wardrobe and then I moved house and my mom dropped it up I was like okay I'm sending this charity <laughs> shop I know now my child won't be making her communion so yeah. but that's like one thing that I've that I've done that I've kept things mm. for like oh maybe like literally like I was eight years old thinking of my 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 daughter yeah. that I might even but ever I think have. there's like, something there's something kind of lovely in that though and it it kind of strengthens what I was saying about material culture being really important mm. like that you even at a young age could recognize it would be special if I have a daughter that she would have this you know it's so that's very innocent actually that's not consumerism that's finding joy in an object and having emotions around an object which is okay yeah. you know yeah. um and that's what I'm trying to get us back to is like obviously we drastically need to pare back our consumption because of what's happening to the planet mm-hmm. and because of the changes that need to happen we're gonna have to get used to consuming far less yeah but you can still have that joy you can still pass on things to um your relatives you can still delight in what you own like a gorgeous project that i participated in a couple of years ago that was run by another of my heroes my sustainable heroes she's called kate fletcher and she's a sustainable fashion um researcher and writer and the project was called local wisdom and she interviewed people all over the world including in dublin uh, about uh, an item of clothing that meant a lot to them and that they knew they would have for a long time and that they've looked after and you have all these gorgeous stories of these people saying I have my granddad's cardigan or I have you know my great granny's scarf and you know I never met her but I have this from her and it really I I find it very joyful to read those stories because you realize okay objects aren't kind of corrupting evil things just because of the pace of consumer culture and the pace of style changeover we've become disconnected from the joy that we can get from our things so don't feel bad about your communion dress that's okay (laughs) that long-winded answer was um and that's one thing I actually completely forgot to ask how did it get this bad like how did it come this far because if you're you're talking about our grandparents and that like they they had their Sunday dress for mass you know they had so Mm -hmm. like just less and obviously I know technology improved but like do you have like a nice concise kind of scientific well it's just money it's capitalism right it's like just this pursuit of economic growth and profit above all else above any sense any sense of proportion any sense of what we actually need you know it's it's just got out of control and still seems to be in charge even though it caused a gigantic recession globally you know 10 years ago it's bizarre to me that it's still what's in charge you know and there are there's a a movement called the degrowth economic movement it's lots of very uh, eminent economists across the world trying to make the case that economic growth is not the be all and end all and I think the myth that economic growth is of benefit to everybody and that the wealth will trickle down I think that myth is has very clearly been you know dispelled it's very clear that that's not the case that this economic system only benefits the very very wealthy um, and creates further inequality so the the movement away from that, I think, is growing, but it's very, very difficult. We're in the grip of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the reason we have so much stuff is because they need us to have more stuff to keep the economy going for, they say, for the greater good, but it's not for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. It's for the 1%. It's for the 1%, yeah. yeah. Like, the this this insistence that economic growth helps everybody is 
is not correct. <laughs> now I'm not an economist, but I have read a lot about this and um we just we just need to slow it all down. We need to slow yeah. it all down. Politicians need to learn to not be so short-sighted and see the bigger picture that economic growth if we slow economic growth down it's not going to damage us too much you know there are there are other systems that can be put in place yeah so yeah we need to get back to the grandparents who didn't have as much stuff like it's crazy there's so many things like yeah we know disease and vaccines and all that stuff is new we need that kind of thing but there's so many other things that they they did that were like why don't we do that now like bring in your own basket and your own bag like it's crazy like in the uh, the i've just i've been looking into the plastics industry recently uh, the history of the plastic and um in the 70s people were realizing god there's so much litter this is terrible like we you know they, they'd been starting to use disposable packaging since the 50s in the 70s people were saying this isn't right there's so much waste and this feels bad and you know the plastics industry is so powerful because plastics is made from oil and oil is big business obviously and uh so they said they did there was huge lobbying uh, to stop the government doing anything, to stop the government acting, to put restrictions in place on, to, on how much plastic was being produced. And the plastics industry itself was responsible for the recycling campaign. You know, don't be a litter bug. It put the onus on us, the consumer. It said, it's your responsibility to recycle this. And as we know, recycling is bullshit. Recycling is really a very complicated issue that I find to be very stressful because it's not a solution at all have you done a podcast about plastics yet no I, a little bit i did yeah. with um a woman called claudia from oh, Friends yes, of the Earth, yes and it was more it was more so about like the, the putting putting the pressure back on the government and yeah. the supermarkets yes yeah. well to, this is what i'm saying it's not, is it that, shouldn't be on is us that, yeah there's this evil conspiracy to let them let them keep producing the plastic and keep making money and to say oh no it's the consumer's responsibility they have to recycle it's up to them it's their waste and as you can see from the outrage that's now happening around plastics people don't want this people do not want this but we've been taught no we're the litter bugs we're the ones who need to recycle and we're really carefully rinsing out our plastic bottles and whatever plastic is so hard to recycle it's really really complex Um, you know, even if you can recycle it it can only be recycled a handful of times totally we've been taught to see it the same as metal and paper which can be recycled uh you know many times yeah. metal can some metals can be recycled for their whole lifespan you know yeah. their whole uh, many many times paper less so but it's better than plastic but we've been taught to see them all as the same and that's really bad because it allows people to just consume as they would normally but saying oh i'm just gonna recycle it i'm just gonna recycle it and I used to, yeah, I used yeah. to think that was like, God, oh, it's made my blood boil. I know, it really, so it made me angry. <laughs> or God. like, I feel bad. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, I've been so good for my recycling this week. And I think, yes, but it you, doesn't have, matter to, you have to do a bit more than that. You know, recycling is a great place to start, but a bad place to finish. That's yeah. what they say. There's a new or in the game of it's not reduce, reuse, recycle. It's refuse. Yeah. Yeah. Reduce, a, repair, replace. Like, big part of it. Stuff, yeah. Also, reduce, reuse, recycle. You know, that phrase has been going since, you know, for a long, long time. And I think we've forgotten that it's in that order. So reduce is first. Yeah. We only hear recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. We just think, oh, I'll just recycle. Yeah. But it's the first two that are way more important. Yeah, you totally. Know? So there's another thing I wanted to ask about in regards to, this is something I do as well, collecting things like cinema tickets and like random train tickets. 
that's like a sentimental thing mm-hmm. but what advice would you give to people who kind of hoard things like that sometimes i'm like oh i'll make a scrapbook out of this that scrapbook is never gonna happen i know that eason's where i'd buy the scrapbook from probably knows that you know so why <laughs> why is this how how fix me emma that's all i'm asking yeah it's tricky like i used to be someone who kept all that stuff I had you know my background is theatre I went to a lot of shows in my youth still do I used to keep every birthday card even from people who I don't even know anymore everything and over the years of my you know I've been immersed in this decluttering journey for about five years now and um I've just slowly weeded it out that the emotional stuff and the memory stuff that really has to be very slow because that is layers as well and just over the years, maybe like once a year I would go through, I just have one box full of my little memory stuff now. But it just it just depends what you yourself want. Like if you want to keep all your bus tickets because they mean something to you, that's okay. It really is. But if they don't mean something to you and you still can't get rid of them, that's a kind of a trickier one. I had one client who she had a huge, what she called her archive. You know, um, she was an artist and she had kept loads of her children's art and her own art from when she was a child and that brought her joy and that's yeah. not clutter it really isn't so you just have to go slowly and try and assess okay is this giving me an emotion that's nice sure uh, that's that's weird that's a weird <laughs> sentence is this making me nice no you have to just go through them slowly and say okay does this bring a response to me Bring, yeah. bring a response in me like I used to keep every theatre ticket that I'd ever seen and then when I went through them I realised I only really wanted to keep the ones that had left an impression on me you know the shows that had really impacted on me that I had far less it's again this one it's like the gifts it's very very personal if you want to keep everything like my father-in-law has all his kids copy books from when they were in school uh you know he has everything they don't keep them he keeps them yeah and that brings him joy and that's okay that's not clutter yeah i mean maybe it is but <laughs> for an outside person, yeah maybe yeah not though. what about this is actually when you mentioned art there i'm also guilty of this my mother even more so because she's an artist collecting things and being like oh well you I'll make something out of that oh my god that that. used to be me big time I used to keep like bottle caps and because I was a designer for a long time every scrap of fabric I used to keep scraps of paper and be like I'm gonna make a notebook like I really have been that soldier like in a big way and I know a big source of clutter I'm not a particularly crafty person anymore but I know a big source of clutter is people who are into crafting and you know just keep everything I would say it's to do with the the sticky item, the useful. Is it useful? Mm-hmm. You have to, I think, if you're on a decluttering journey, if you're trying to downsize your possessions, you have to stick with that aim and say, okay, I promised myself I would get rid of stuff and only keep the stuff that you really think you are going to use. Say, okay, do I have a specific project in mind for this? If not, will I ever? You really have to a- ask the specific questions, you okay. know? Okay. Right, so we've been chatting for almost an hour now at this stage. Time just flies by. Was that, was that an answer to that question? Yeah, no, okay. it was. It, I, I think so. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, we have to we have to talk about the C word. Okay. Coming up, which is <laughs> Christmas. When this episode is released, I mean, it won't even be Halloween yet. Yeah. Which we can talk about that as well. So let let's just talk about the holidays. Just holidays in June. <sighs> We're just drowning in tat. Everything is drowning in tat. Not even just holidays. Now we have hen party tat. Mm. Uh, we have birthday tat. It's um, 
we're just drowning in plastic crap and it's really difficult like like Halloween used to be about you know you could make your own costume and it would be really fun you'd do it with your mom or your dad or whoever yeah. was looking after you and it was a fun thing and now you just buy your kids an outfit and it's sad and and there's you know all these Halloween decorations that when I was a kid we used to make our own and that was really fun now they're just bought and they're disposed of people don't keep them for yeah. the next year they're just bought once and then thrown in the bin it's maddening and I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast are already, you know, on the sustainable bandwagon and care enough about this stuff. But I would say to them, you know, really, how much joy are you going to get out of this flashing pumpkin? Like, <laughs> is it not better to like maybe with your kids make like make a little bash bunting yourselves? Yeah. You can cut the dog up. It's or great. Carve a real pumpkin. Carve a real will, pumpkin. Yeah. Whatever bring back the the old apple bobbing whatever and christmas is is a really big one i mean it's the worst time of the year for this kind of stuff obviously we are so used to buying tat that people don't even want because we think i have to buy that person a thing so i would just buy them anything you know and it's just about being mindful but it's very difficult because christmas is about your family so you it's very difficult to step up and be the one to say look i'm actually going to uh, cook people dinner this year or like a friend of mine and uh, made everyone pick a cucumber as a gift and that was really nice but like everyone in her family were kind of like oh that's a bit weird you know yeah. it, it, it takes courage scabby. yeah it takes courage to step outside so yeah. it's really hard for people but like what i would say is don't buy joke gifts please you know the pooping reindeer that poops little chocolate balls that is going to be enjoyed for approximately two seconds and then it will be clutter. Then it just immediately becomes clutter, which is landfill fodder. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to make someone laugh, make them a meme. Draw them a picture. Find them a meme that they will get a laugh out of. Don't buy, you know, stuff like grow your own boyfriend kits. Mm-hmm. We don't need these in our yeah. lives. And they don't work either, much to my disappointment. They don't work. In life, but yeah. Now, gift, yeah. gift giving is like... I'm always so interested in what is the psychological root of this. I've actually just started a course in psychotherapy because I'm just so, fa- there's so much going on in all these transactions, you know, in decluttering, in uh, gift giving, in, in consuming. Uh, I'm not, you know, studying psychotherapy specifically to study those things. It's a general, it's a general interest, but I'm always interested in what is the root of this. And Christmas is a fraught emotional time for most people. Mm-hmm. So you have to be gentle with yourself. I'm always using that word gentle, but you really have to be gentle with yourself yeah. around this. If it's going to cause too much anxiety to, uh, try to rock, rock the boat, yeah. just try and buy a couple less things. You know, some families go crazy and they have to get seven presents for each person. Just try and say, okay, well, we just get three presents each or whatever. Yeah. Do like a Do like a group secret santa yeah. where maybe you all chip in what we did for my brother because i've oh my god i've got like four brothers and a sister and my parents but we're not we're all kind of we've different my siblings we're not all from the same two parents mm-hmm. now it's very complicated <laughs> but my bro my brother Oshin last year really needed a laptop so we all chipped in and we got him a laptop as opposed to buying him loads of smaller things yeah. that you don't need and as well don't be afraid to ask people exactly what they want because I I always do that I'm afraid of just getting them something crap but I also want to know like what books do you need would you like and and telling people what you would like that you just prefer an experience Mm -hmm. or 
a voucher as opposed to I think that's all really good advice and I think yeah clubbing together to get a one big present is so much better um I think the tide is turning against that yeah. I think people are realizing experiences are better than a load of tat so yeah be gentle with yourself but do your best to get people something they will actually like it when you start trying to be more mindful about this stuff people can be very defensive yeah like I find a lot of my friends still even though I've tried to reassure them that I'm not a kind of ethical policeman if I say oh your dress is lovely or whatever they say it's from pennies I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I have to say to them it's okay I'm not here to judge you in my family now we always ask people what they want Mm. basically because I've forced them to be like that (laughs) um, yeah start like you do you lead by example people are like that is a good idea because you then get the gifts or whatever that you actually needed like because as you said a lot of people listening to this are probably you're probably already on the sustainable wagon yes so it's it's spreading awareness it's yeah. asking your family to to only yeah. do something specific and for just you being gentle and, and framing it in a positive way not yeah. saying guys we all have so much crap you know let's stop this it's christmas is a bad time just be like wouldn't it be better wouldn't we all have better time if we did this wouldn't it be better if we you know, only got each other one thing and all club together. Wouldn't it be better if we all just went out for dinner? Wouldn't it, you know, making it how it will affect everybody positively. But I really do understand that it's difficult and it brings in all sorts of family dynamics that I don't understand. A big part of my book is like, take this or leave it. You know, so many, I've read a lot of decluttering books now at this stage, my research, and so many of them are so... um This worked for me, so it will definitely work for you. You know, it's like, this is one way or the... Or the no way. Yeah. And that's not the case. Every There is no one person on earth who is the same as another person. We could talk about how, you know, different organizational systems work for different people. Maybe that's a whole other podcast. But I think, yeah, just understand that we're all unique and we all have our own family dynamics that need to be managed. And yeah, just try and slow down this Christmas. Try and slow down. And don't be stressed about buying things. It's not. A, it shouldn't be about that. But if you do buy things, like buy, try buy quality. You yeah. know, and, and like my favorite, and where I get most of my Christmas presents is the Irish design shop, or like try and buy local, yeah, yeah. Irish stuff. Kate Fletcher, who I love, who I mentioned, my sustainable fashion guru. Her thing is like localism. Localism is what's mm-hmm. we need to be at, and that's very difficult because things are slightly more expensive when sure. they're made locally. But if you buy less, then you have more money to spend. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, but that goes for like throughout the year, not just Christmas as well. Totally. That when you have to buy stuff, support. Totally. If you if you need underwear and you're like, oh, I, ha- I have to go to Penny's. Like yeah. you, you actually don't have to go to Penny's. Mm-hmm. Like there are groups that, yeah. there are places that you can get like sustainable, yeah. kind of long wear mm-hmm. stuff, long lasting yeah. stuff. And the Sustainable Fashion Dublin Girls have a, a story about that, about sustainable underwear, I think. Or there's a company called, I think they're called Stripes and Stare. Stripes and something anyway on Instagram and they have really nice nice stuff Amazing. and People Tree do them as well People Tree is they're like one of the ethical fashion pioneer brands cool I'll link all those yeah. in the show notes yeah. right there's so much to talk about when it comes to this so you have your book when is your book so going to be the book is called Stuff Happens Manage Your Clutter Clear Your Head and Discover What's Really Important and it's out in April 2020. I'll be doing lots of events in the run-up to it. I'm hoping to have a couple of stuff swaps where we can all, you know, do a clear out and swap things for people who might cool. need them. So the book is out then. Yeah, I can't wait for it to be out. I, I can't believe it's so far away. But my main takeaway message that I would like you to 
takeaway is we need to get back connected to what we own where did it come from where does it go when we finished how can it bring us more satisfaction in the now and when we want when we have to buy new things try and be mindful try and say do I actually really need this and do I like it um not just ah it's grand you know if you love something it will never be clutter so just be more mindful and that's very difficult like you said you know your moon cup is never going to spark joy my calendar is not going to spark joy uh, but we need them yeah um and if you are decluttering be gentle and go slow and you will get there and on my instagram you can find loads of resources for ways you can dispose of things uh, ethically what yeah. is your what's your instagram for people my instagram follow? is at stuff happens emma uh and my website is decluttering com or give up your old things.com i'm in the middle of a kind of a rebrand so it's oh, kind really? of confusing it it's go- kind of confusing it's not gonna be give up your old things, give up your old things has, been, has been so great like for so many people get such a kick a out of it name. i know it's people so get such a kick out of it but i feel like i need to be more in line with the book so i'm going to rebrand the whole thing stuff happens because sure. it's, it's simpler but sorry that's very confusing <laughs> i haven't done that rebrand no, yet okay be well, gentle with yourself be... guys it'll all happen in time before we close off one whole area we didn't even touch on is kids and kids bedrooms yeah so quick kind of tips <laughs> for parents with children because they just accumulate colorful stuff mm-hmm. plastic stuff yeah. yeah this is really really tricky um and it, it it's so related to gift giving like i have clients who say it's not me who buys the stuff it's the grandparents it's my friends who bring the stuff into the house it's really difficult like my little nephew is two and uh, he recently had his birthday and he got so much stuff and he didn't he couldn't even take it all in you know he's two it's really you have to be clear with your friends about what you can and can't accept and you know children get overwhelmed by too much stuff yeah and and they they get bored and they get less joy out of what they actually have so having a few nice things is really good yeah but look this is tricky i don't have children i don't really know what it's like i would say try and say to your parents or the the sources of the stuff um, you know, try and say to them, look, you you don't have to buy these children's affection. You don't have to buy them stuff every time. You know, they're happy with the stuff that they have. And like, you know, my little nephew, he'd play with anything. He plays with a wooden spoon. Yeah. This idea that we have to keep buying kids stuff is so mad. Like what I would say is if you're trying to declutter a child's room, you have to involve them, depending on what age they are. Obviously, a two-year-old is not going to be able to rationally decide on his yeah. toys. But if your children are old enough, involve them and say look you guys have a lot of toys maybe we can give them to some boys and girls who don't have toys um I had another client who had really prepared her sons really well for me coming and they were almost excited they were like oh we're gonna give stuff away to the boys and girls who need it that's great and they had she had a system in place where each item that they were giving away they said thank you for your service you know thank you we've really enjoyed you and off you go so I think it's about involving the kids yeah. and just being conscious of what really matters to them yeah. and giving them autonomy. But again, I'm not a parent. So I'm sure there are some parents listening to this being like, she hasn't a clue. <laughs> <laughs> but depending on what age your child is, they might not notice if you get rid of stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another good tip is if a child is gifted something, 
if they haven't seen it yet, hide it from them. Yeah. And it can be used as a re-gift or a bribe tool in time of need. <laughs> I love so, it. yeah. I have a friend actually who, for his son's seventh or eighth birthday, they started asking the parents of the kids to not buy him anything. Mm-hmm. And if you if you really want to get give something, mm-hmm. put a fiver into a card. Mm-hmm. So the kid then got whatever, like four, mm-hmm. 40 euro for his birthday then mm-hmm. five euro from all the for all the kids mm-hmm. there was one or two that still gave in and got like a plastic toy mm-hmm. but then he was able to go out and buy the, buy the game or the thing that he really wanted so don't be afraid yeah. of doing that either because people do want to give which I can understand but like oh, you can course. give other things that and are that's what I that's yeah. what I'm saying is it's so complex that kind of gift giving dynamic you want to do that it's normal part of social interaction but it's just about trying to protect yourself and oh. I know that grandparents are a big source of plastic tash mm-hmm. so be careful a big thing of uh, what you do as well is organizing mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just you know you could have a messy corner and you don't actually remove anything you just organize it so it doesn't mm-hmm. look messy anymore so for organizing and things like that and for like decluttering do you ever need to like buy storage boxes or like buy things to help you organize or are you usually able to manage what you have I would say you're always able to manage what you have I would say never buy stuff before you declutter you need to do a proper clear out before you restore things definitely um and that can be a kind of a tricky process because you're like where am I going to put this stuff but I really believe that if you have storage boxes especially empty ones they have some sort of black magic that will attract (laughs) clutter to them do not buy them and if you do at the end of your decluttering purge, if you do find that you need new boxes or whatever, buy cardboard or wicker. Please don't buy plastic. The, yeah. Some things you, you might need see-through box for, but just be mindful of, you know, a, a cardboard box with a label on it. I love a label, man. And be conscious too that uh, with in terms of organizing on Instagram and the kind of Marie Kondo culture, it can seem like there's only one way of organizing, which is very macro, sorry, very micro, very kind of... Uh, tiny boxes with with very specific yeah. categories and, and succulents like, everywhere the succulents everywhere. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, the minimalists love succulents yeah you know an obsessively ordered wardrobe everything color-coded you know your knickers folded into swans or whatever oh. like that <laughs> that only works for a certain type of person right yeah. this is another thing that is not often mentioned by decluttering gurus one is the consumerism issue and the shopping the other is not everyone is wired to organize their lives like that so someone could come in and organize your life perfectly for you color code your whatever have your drawers all organized within an inch of their life and if you don't have the right type of brain you're not going to maintain that and it's going to be cluttered within two weeks so it's really important to assess what makes sense for you so if a messy drawer makes sense to you but has things that you actually need in it that's okay it doesn't have to have your hammer perpendicular to your pliers or whatever but as long as there's stuff in there that you need and you know where it is that's my big thing is having only what you need and you like and knowing where it is you know the amount of clients I have who say oh god I have four of those Pritt sticks and now I found another one dried out you know that that brings up more consumerism as well not knowing what you have because you can't find it in your jammed house and uh, it's not about having a beautifully organized drawer that you can put on Instagram that's madness it's about having a working system that works for you the most useful decluttering book I read was um oh god I'm not gonna remember her name but her website is called she's called the clutter bug she talks about this the kind of 
different organizing styles and you can do a little quiz to see which one you are, which I think is a little bit reductive and not everyone can be put into boxes. But the four types, the four personality types that she uses, I think are useful because you can say, oh, I'm like that in this area, but not in that area. Like say, I'm different in different rooms. Like I don't care about my my underwear and my tights, but then I really like my stationery drawer to be neat. Sure. So it's just about getting to know yourself and having systems that work for you. A good way of getting out of patterns of clutter is to try and pinpoint where are my clutter hotspots? You know, where are, where does the clutter accumulate in my bedroom or in my, in the hall? Like some, a lot of people would be their hall or their kitchen table where everything just gets dumped. Yeah. And then so you clear that and you feel great about yourself, but then it's just going to go back there again. Totally. So you have to try and say to yourself, okay, why am I drawn to this place? What systems can I put in place where it's easier to put stuff away? It's probably difficult to put stuff away because your drawers are full of crap. Maybe you need to declutter those drawers so it is easier to put stuff away. The best way to stay uncluttered, obviously, is to buy less, but also to know where everything goes. Because if you're faced with... A pile of stuff and you're like I don't know where any of this is supposed to go oh, I'll just leave it there because I have to cook the dinner or whatever if everything has its place now like I have one bowl in my apartment where anything that I don't really know where to put it goes so and and anything that I have in my handbag at the end of the day goes there so my keys and my wallet and whatever and if it get and if it overflows then I know okay it's time to go through this what's actually in here uh, now I know it's very easy to say that some people who have houses falling down with stuff are like oh my god I would never get there but you actually will if you take time if you pace yourself peel back the clutter as you go and you'll realize that you really don't need that much stuff to actually be able to live you don't yeah. and knowing where everything is in your house is the most peaceful situation ever but it's easier said than done and like I said different systems work for different people so don't beat yourself sure. up if you're not Marie Kondo perfect Amazing. might not work for you totally fair yeah. so people so people can book you they can check out your website mm-hmm. and they can see you can be booked for like personal totally. decluttering service you yep. go by a half day or a full day yeah yep. you do workshops yep. in schools can I do schools I do corporate work corporate talks yeah I love talking to anybody if you have a workplace that you think would benefit from a chat yeah get on to me I'd love that amazing so I'll link your website and your contact yeah. details and everything below so people can do that yeah just uh slow it down that's what we need to do slow it down get out of that hedonic treadmill get out of it and learn to love your stuff you know there's a lovely there's a lovely hashtag on instagram that's uh loved clothes last and it's true and it's you know i was watching one quick random note i was watching i had ireland am on the tv in the background and there was someone they were doing the fashion walk thing mm-hmm. we're trying out all the outfits and they were like yeah and this outfit I mean this is something you could wear again I have this exact dress and I've worn it over and over I've worn it like 30 times mm-hmm. and you're like hold on a second like 30 isn't a lot like you want to be wearing things yeah. an awful lot like my outfit now I've got a hand-me-down black top on that I got from my auntie that's mm. kind of getting to the stage now where I wear it once and it smells really bad so I need to be washed again so <laughs> it's probably near the end but like you gotta wear you gotta wear your things yeah a lot but if well. you love them you'll want to do that yeah so it's about uh and clothes is so difficult because you know you have to like i said they're a real source of, it's a real source of anxiety how do i assess how do i create my identity through clothes if there's so much choice and there's so many messages coming at me who am i you know but if you try and gently adopt the habit of only buying things that make you feel good and that you 
like. Um, and it's really, I really understand how much easier said than done this is. I really yeah. do. And if you need help, get in contact. I'm here to help. Um, if you need some support, if you're having a, in the grip of a shopping addiction, but you have nothing to wear, you know, that classic thing of a stuffed wardrobe and nothing to wear. Yeah. I think women across the country, across the world have that problem mm-hmm. if they're privileged enough to be in that position. But uh, I really can help and you'll get more joy out of your stuff and you'll feel more confident in yourself. Buy yourself a debobbler. They're bloody great and they're great fun. They used to do them in Ireland and I don't know if they do anymore. They might have got them back in because I keep pestering them. But are you, are yeah, you, they cut all the fluffy bits off. Yeah, your and then your, and your jumpers revived. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Do it with your winter coats. You know, when they get bobbled under their arms, people think, oh, I can't wear that anymore because it's bobbled. No, it'll take you yeah. 10 minutes to debobble it. Mm-hmm. And people need to learn how to sew a button, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Me included. I just make it up as I go and then yeah. the thing falls off again. I'm like, like, I find sewing very relaxing. Not everyone would. Yeah. But um, yeah, we gotta learn how to sew, guys. You ca- ca- don't get rid of things just because it's lose- lost a button. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Or I got a tiny little. And learn to shop for quality. Like the sustainable fashion girls talk a lot about this. You know, check the seams. Like, is it gonna fall apart after three washes? Don't buy it if it is. You know, yeah. obviously there's sometimes emergency purchases that we need to get. You know, if yeah. you need to top for a work event, you know, whatever. It's it's all about balance and not beating yourself up, but really trying to slow it all down. Yeah. Okay, I think there's going to have to be Emma Gleason episode part two because <laughs> there's so much stuff. Because she was very involved. rambly and unclear <laughs> the first time. <laughs> there's so much stuff that there's just involved with this. I feel like yeah. we're I feel like we're barely touching the 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 icing wow. on the iceberg. I nearly <laughs> said the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But people, I'll link all your details and everything. Okay. People can get in touch with you for any help and just thank you. And so I know. Much. Well, thank you. And I know it can. You know in the face of such extreme environmental catastrophe it can seem very frivolous to talk about this kind of stuff but it's actually so important and obviously what's the most important is electing people to office who will make real changes but if we change our behavior uh and those ripples will ripple out into other people we know and i actually do believe that consumers do have some power i don't i don't think it should stop there i think people need to be politically engaged definitely Mm -hmm. but just yeah tell people that they're gonna have a better life if they do this totally it's (laughs) all they're all together i'm like i'm like doing like yeah (laughs) it's all like people i i I had someone complaining to me about extinction rebellion going to be blocking up the street now which would have happened last week at this Mm. stage and i was like he he was saying they just you just need to vote people in and i'm like that's what we've been doing yeah yeah <laughs> it's not working it all has to work it's not together. working it's too slow yeah no, we need more urgency <laughs> consumers totally have power you so, totally yeah. see it even with the vegan movement like the mm-hmm. free from aisle has just e- exploded totally like it's all it's just getting bigger and bigger i mean mm-hmm. um unless there's anything else emma yeah. thank you so much for oh my God, coming i'm so in. thrilled i love talking about this stuff <laughs> hopefully my spiel will get a bit more succinct by the time i'm promoting my book but yeah uh, i'm thrilled yeah. to be here and thanks so much for having me no thank you and i'll definitely i'll reshare any updates on your book and best of luck with writing the rest of it ah, thank you <laughs> Alright guys, that was Emma. I hope there was a leaf there or two that you could take to add to your own book of sustainable living from Emma. I found it really, really enlightening myself. And please don't forget to share this podcast episode. I have a lovely small little community of listeners, but it'd be great to get this out far and wide. 
Um, every episode is something different in the realms of things that are good for the planet. And in this day and age, I think that is a message that everybody kind of needs to hear. So please do give it a share on Instagram, Facebook. I'm on Twitter as well. Um, I don't need to be on the platform for you to share it either. Like, for example, I'm not on Reddit. It confuses me. I have no idea how to use it. So, hey, give it a share there if you're if you're on Reddit. But I do, I do have profiles on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram if you want to kind of follow specific kind of actions that I get involved with and updates in the podcast and just general other sustainable things that I kind of do in my time and as well if you are on iTunes or Apple Podcasts I think it's now called please please rate and review the podcast if you can just take 30 seconds to do it it would make a huge difference to how iTunes or Apple Podcasts share and suggest their podcast so that would be amazing and if you would like to support the podcast I do have a Patreon account patreon.com forward slash book of leaves you it's a platform you can donate a euro or two or ten whatever make it once off or a regular monthly payment of whatever you can afford if you can do something like that I would greatly appreciate it it would be just a huge huge help to help pay for things Now, I think that is everything. As I said, if you have any questions about this episode or anything in general, be it Extinction Rebellion or last week's episode on seals and Seal Rescue Ireland, which I still can't get over how adorable they are, they're still looking for people to adopt some of their seals and volunteers because they're in their busy month now and the weather's getting quite bad and you have all these storms because of the climate crisis so if you want to help and feel like you're doing something seal rescue ireland are still looking for volunteers if that is your jam okay guys i think i've said enough it's been a long enough episode and i need to go to bed soon so thank you so so much for listening and i will see you or talk to you in two weeks time Thank you so much, guys. Bye.